to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas. You can find me on all the social medias at Salad Galore. That is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L galore. It's great to be here talking for the first time about this 2024 offseason that leads up to the NFL draft. Uh, I've kind of brushed over some prospects throughout the year. If you've been following along on the DWZ's main show with my prospect premonition, and I wrapped up all of 2023 when it comes to rookie content with my episode last week, where I broke down all of the season end finishes in fantasy and the outlooks for the 2023 rookie class going forward. Now it's time to get into the nitty gritty and part of my favorite aspect of coverage and that is the all-star games the ncaa all-star games and this year there was quite a bit of a shakeup that was announced for said all-star games so for those of you that aren't <clears throat> as well informed as some others as to what these games are they are split up into two specific ones you have the east west shrine bowl game and the senior bowl game now prior to the 2024 offseason in 2020 for NFL draft cycle, these were restricted explicitly to seniors and post-grads to compete in as a final showing after their collegiate careers, um, kind of for prospects and for the purpose of it being so segmented to those, you know, that pool of players due to the fact where if you're a senior or a post-grad that is coming out and looking into the NFL draft, Odds are you're not the hottest commodity on the book. So it just kind of gave everyone another opportunity to shine and really get in the meeting rooms in these overall, you know, schemes. The NFL teams are there, the coaches that are there, the coaches basically getting an opportunity to know these players as both players and as humans prior to making decision in the NFL draft. Um, the change that happened in 2024, however, is that now underclassmen that are eligible and have declared for the NFL draft are now able and most likely going to be in attendance in both the practice weeks leading up to these all-star games as well as the games themselves. So I have a little bit of a stronger opinion where I think this is a massive mistake personally. It makes them more of a television spectacle is what I would say. So I understand where the money aspect comes into and that's probably the only driving force as to bringing in younger classmen into these games. But my issue is that these games were designated and originated for the sole explicit need of showing off these seniors and post-grad players that still need to be seen on the grand stage, especially those that attended smaller school and FBS schools as opposed to the NCAA Power 5 type schools. Um, so I think it takes a little bit of a way from some of these prospects that are going to be in attendance that are, you know, in need of the attendance and in need of the show out. But I won't beat a dead horse with that aspect of it. I will be doing a two-parter, though. I put a poll in the Patreon group chat, which if you are not a member of the WZ Patreon, you got to get in there because you get heads up on what my segments are. You get my uh, random rants on rookie prospects as well as the Bears and Chiefs on a pretty regular occasion. Um, but... As voted on and mentioned in that Patreon group chat, I will be breaking these as opposed to in prior years where I divvied the two bowl games between the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl. I'll be divvying it based off of positional groups. So I'll have two parts to this series. The first part here today, I will be going over the quarterbacks, 
and the running backs. And then in next week's episode, I will be going over the wide receivers and the tight ends in this year's class. Um, <clears throat> it's a pretty even breakdown. There's going to be 11 players in today's episode and 10 in next week's. So it'll give you a pretty good idea of all the players associated and all the big names to be paying attention to during practice that you're going to be hearing in a little over a week and a half, basically. At the t oh, a little under a week and a half, actually, at the time of recording here and at the time of viewing, probably about a week away for these Shrine Bowl practices to start. So get ahead of the curve, really get these players in your mind, and don't be shocked if you hear about these ones popping up in practice and pressing in practice and eventually dominating in the Shrine and the Senior Bowl games. But without further ado, we will just go ahead and dive into the first pool of, uh, pool of players here, and we'll be talking about the quarterback position. Now, between the two games, there are four quarterbacks of note that I will be paying attention to and that have a good opportunity to show what they can do and hopefully improve specifically in practice. I want to see how all four of these guys do when it comes to coaching, their ability to learn schemes quickly and ability to basically learn and show immediately what the coaches are telling them in such a short period of time. Because I think that processing across the board is kind of an issue for all of these quarterbacks that I'm going to discuss, um, all four of them, they vary from a 22-year-old, 23-year-old to two 24-year-olds. So they are a little bit older of prospects, but there are a lot of physical aspects for these guys that I'm pretty intrigued about. Um, the first guy of note is someone that has been in the same school and in the NCAA for six years now. Um, his name is Mr. Jordan Travis. He is the quarterback for Florida State, has been there for the last five years. And finally had, you know, a couple of good showings the last two years specifically. Um, I guess I should dive into this. Sorry, a different way. Sorry about this, guys. Uh, but the way I'm going to break down all stats and analysis for all of these players, I'm only going to be paying attention to the last two calendar years. For those of you that aren't familiar with my rookie content, that's what I always do. All statistics are broken down based off of the last 24 total games of this player's tape, of this player's aptitude, what they've been able to produce in the last basically 24 calendar months. That's all I care about. I don't care if they were successful as a rookie and haven't done anything else in college. It's all about recency bias, both in the draft and in actual, you know, fantasy football, which is what we care about. But Jordan Travis, as I said, sixth year player out of Florida State, finally declared he is sitting at 6'1", 215, so pretty average is what I would say. He's in about the Baker Mayfield mold. If you're looking for someone physically to compare him to, that's about what you're looking for. Um, over the last 24 games with Jordan Travis, you're looking at 64% completion, roughly 249 yards per game passing. Uh, you have 1.83 touchdowns per game through the air and 0.33, so basically a turnover every three games <clears throat> throughout his career over the last two years. On the ground, he has put up 25 rush yards per game, so he's not a huge dual quarterback threat. But when it comes to the red zone, he is quite prolific. He's averaging over a touchdown every other game, so he's putting at .63 rushing touchdowns per game. So on average, he's giving you about three touchdowns a game from a quarterback, both through the air and <clears throat> you know through uh, the ground, the rushing attack. I, If I had to compare him to a big name that would be coming out right now, he's kind of an off-brand Caleb Williams, basically. Size and physicality limitations are his biggest thing that kind of detract him from being a true dual-threat quarterback and from being on the same type of level as Caleb Williams. Um, his decision-making as a gunslinger really needs work. So he's got the arm kind of to get things 
where they need to be, but it's not really impressive. He can't make all the throws, um, all those deep posts, deep outs, deep corners, that type of thing. Um, he tries to force it a little bit, and he's extremely confident. But that's why when I look at a guy like him, it is a guy who works extremely well outside of structure, not so much inside of structure. He doesn't have the turnovers to match this type of play, but the biggest issue I have with his overall tape so far is that his decision-making as a gunslinger who does not have an arm reminds me so much of my cop for him in Nick Mullins. Um, Nick Mullins, Johnny Menzel, that's kind of what you're getting with a Jordan Travis. Uh, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Another guy that plays like this in recent memory would be like a Zach Wilson. Um, it, he has to write his decision-making, which is a little bit concerning at the age of 24 come his rookie season next year in the NFL. I'm not a hundred percent positive that that is going to be something that he's going to be able to easily translate and easily fix in one week down in mobile, but it is something that I'm intrigued to see. I think he could light it up last year, Florida state, their offense was absolutely electric. He was very good at spreading the balls around. And like I said, over the last two calendar years, he's actually only had 10 turnovers, which is pretty nuts for a rookie or not a rookie, but a college quarterback. I just have questions about the age, decision-making, and if he can kind of tie all his attributes together and reel in his game so he's not so erratic with his deep throws. The second quarterback of note that I want to dive into is Michael Prett out of Tulane. He's coming in at 6'2", 200 pounds, so a little bit leaner frame. If you're looking for a comparable frame-wise, again, not playing style-wise, you're looking kind of like a Lamar Jackson. That's about the size that you're going to get from a Michael Prett. He is a fourth year, so a true senior, and he's actually the youngest out of the squad of quarterbacks that's coming out. He's just going to be 22 next year during his rookie season in the NFL. And over the last two years, he was sitting at 64% completion, so it was actually 64.1, so just a hair above what Jordan Travis was able to do. He was throwing actually for the lowest amount of pass yards out of the top three quarterbacks in this little group that I'm going to talk about in uh, the form of 225 yards per game. He averaged just over two touchdowns per game through the air at 2.04 with a 0.45 turnover. So basically two turnovers every six games and then 31 rush yards on the ground and almost the identical um, rushing touchdowns per game in 0.63 compared to 0.62 for Jordan Travis. So more than every other game, he's getting you a rushing score. He was very, very good. And the thing with him is that he is a system quarterback. He didn't have a lot of crazy reads on the outside or anything like that, but his physicality in physical ability as an athlete is what would basically elevate Jordan Travis to one of those higher level dual threat quarterbacks. When I look at Michael Pret, he does basically what Jordan Travis wishes he could do on the ground, but he does not, how, how do I phrase this? He does not have the ability to read offenses, really. Uh, in the pocket, he can kind of only survive as a first read quarterback is how I like to phrase it. Um, he's a quarterback in a true spread, move, air raid type of offense. It's reading half the field, moving. If it's not there within the first second and a half, basically, he's bailing out of the pocket. So he's a little bit more of an erratic runner, um, doesn't really trust what he can see, and he does have the ability to throw outside the pocket, but his accuracy actually diminishes inside the pocket, which is a little bit concerning. His mechanics aren't the greatest, but overall a pretty prolific prolific career for Tulane. He did take a little bit of a step back this year. A lot of people were expecting him to be a much higher draft pick in 2024 than what he's most likely projected and slotted out to be, but it is pretty interesting to kind of see where he's going to go. Um, my comp for him is a guy like Mitchell Trubisky. Um, reminds me a lot of what I saw very close, very firsthand basis in Chicago for Mitchell Trubisky. 
and the same kind of issues. Can't accurately throw moving to his left as a right-handed thrower can't accurately throw with his feet planted underneath pressure in the pocket he likes to be on the move you kind of have to roll the pocket in order to get the game going so I don't have a lot of hope for a guy like Michael Pratt but he is the youngest probably the easiest to mold and does have some pretty good physical tools to kind of lean into if you're looking for a developmental quarterback so like I said he's kind of more in the triple ski mold more so than uh you know the true erratic, true high ups, down type of player that you would get from a Jordan Travis. The third quarterback is a big name that a lot of people have talked about, but I've actually talked at length about him already previously this offseason, so I am going to keep this one a little bit shorter. It's Spencer Rattler, the quarterback out of South Carolina. He's coming in as a fifth year, so a transfer quarterback, if you were unaware, transferred out of Oklahoma after he lost his job to Caleb Williams three years ago. The last two years, he's playing for the Gamecocks in South Carolina. He comes in at 6'1", 200 pounds, so again, that Lamar Jackson, kind of a a skinnier, smaller build, so compared to other ones, and he will be 23 during his rookie season. Now, his completion percentage was quite a bit better than the two previous guys that I had discussed in the form of 67.6% of the last two years. Um, he averaged actually the highest out of all of them in passing yardage at 268 yards per game, but the lowest on touchdowns, the highest on turnovers, the lowest on rushing yards, and the lowest on rushing touchdowns out of everyone else in the class. He was sitting at 1.42 touchdowns per game over the last two years. He has averaged one turnover per game over his last 24 games, which is the big, big concern with Spencer Rattler as it should be. Anyone who's followed college football and followed kind of the Big 12 should know that about Spencer Rattler. Um, and then he averages just five rushing yards per game and a measly .18 rushing touchdowns per game. Not a very big dual threat. He is easily the worst decision maker I've seen in a while from the quarterback position and definitely the worst in this year's class that's going to actually declare for the draft. Um, he has had a progressive downgrade in performance each year over the last three years, which is just not what you want to see. He has flashes, but can never string it together. And the lack of dealing with pressure is abysmal. Um, the guy that he reminds me of in the decision-making and how he just flames out under pressure is Nathan Peterman. It just, it, it, it's pretty close throw on the tape and you'll see the same exact why did you throw that ball there what the hell were you thinking um, not a big Spencer Rattler guy not optimistic that he can actually come in and be successful very 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 long-term project at the quarterback position it'll be very interesting to see um, if a team even really wastes a draft pick versus just picking him up as a camp body after the draft and the fourth quarterback is um, actually the one that I'm probably the most intrigued about and this is probably just become um, more about the physical tools more so than what he's actually doing but uh, you're looking at Joe Milton out of Tennessee so I laughed about this when people were talking about Joe Milton for a potential favorite in the Heisman before the season after taking over for Hayden Hooker um, at Tennessee, he's a 6'5", 245. He's a sixth year, could not beat out anyone that was ahead of him. And it kind of became apparent this year as to why that was. His passing acumen is not that great. 64% uh, completion is pretty solid, but only 180 pass yards per game, just under 1.4 touchdowns per game. He has averaged basically a turnover every four games. So he actually only had five turnovers over this last 13 game span this year, um, 18 rush yards in the game and a rushing touchdown every three games. Uh, he's a physical specimen though. Let me tell you, he has one of the best arms in the entire class. And that is including both his release, which I would argue I mean, you have Caleb Williams above him, and then I don't know that there's another quarterback that has a quicker actual throwing release at the quarterback position than what Joe Milton has. And then his strength is nuts. He can throw the ball 
borderline what we've seen from some of those strong gunslingers in the form of Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. That's this guy in this year's class. He can throw it as far as he wants to. Much better arm than a guy like Will Levis from last year. Um, he has some issues with locking under reads, and that's yeah, that's kind of an issue that he has. Um, he he plays a decently clean game, is what I would say. Um, he has some issues with locking on a read. Doesn't make always the best decision making, but he wasn't a true starter at Tennessee really throughout his entire career there, really until this past year. Um, my comp for a guy like Joe Milton is it's somewhere between, and this is a large gradient, but this is what you could get. You could get either a Brock Osweiler who just does not develop at all, comes in, just cannot cut it, can't learn an offense, can't really process quick stuff like that or you can get a guy like Jameis winston you can get a serviceable guy who has the physical tools to do everything that you want to just makes just as many mistakes as big plays basically which is kind of what you're getting in joe milton but it'll be intriguing to see where joe milton goes he could come in and be a perfect backup for whatever team has justin fields whatever team has lamar jackson whatever team has josh allen you wouldn't have to change the game script at all josh allen would actually be the prime fit for him to come in and and learn and back up from um but i i'm just intrigued as to where he goes um those are my comps for him again big specimen massive arm really fun guy to watch i'm just curious as to uh how this is truly going to pan out for him So those are the four quarterbacks I had of note. The next position, as I said, I'm going to be touching on is the running back position. So for the running back position, I have a total of seven names, a lot of different builds, but a lot of fun guys that are going to be in this group. And when you're looking at this running back group for the 2024 NFL draft, there's maybe one, maybe two guys that truly stick out towards the top of the list. Other than those guys, this entire class is pretty wide open though. And so that's what makes diving into these players. Like I always prefer to do that are in that second, third, fourth round, so much more enjoyable. Um, I didn't say at the beginning of this episode, but as always, the theme with me is I'm not going to be talking about any prospects that are going to be at these games that are projected to be in the top three at their position. There are a couple um, that are borderline is what I would say, the running back and wide receiver position, specifically at the um, X receiver, at least for the X receiver type of position. Um, So I have left them off the list, but this is a fun group. And I've actually talked about a couple of these guys throughout the year. So make sure to pay attention and see if you know which ones I'm talking about. Um, The first one I want to bring up is probably the most famous one out of the group that I'm going to talk about. And that is none other than Frank Gore, Junior, the son of former All-Pro and soon-to-be NFL Hall of Famer Frank Gore Sr., Uh, he is the running back out of Southern Miss. Um, Not a big school, not a big frame to body either. Coming in at five foot eight, one hundred and ninety-five pounds, he will be lucky to weigh two hundred pounds, but he does have a very compact lower half. He's a true fourth year, and he'll be twenty-two in his rookie season. Looking at his stats over the last. 24 games, he has averaged a solid 18 carries per game, exactly 100 yards per game, and .76 touchdowns per game on the ground. Through the air, measly two receptions per game, just over 17 receiving yards per game, and .12 receiving touchdowns per game. He only has two receiving touchdowns the last two calendar years. Not a true, not a true uh, usable weapon is what I would say. When it comes to receptions in that offense, and that may be more of a Southern Miss thing because every time he touches the ball and is used as an actual outlet receiver, he impresses me. He has very smooth and very solid hands. 
his route running is solid. He is a very quick change of pace guy. Um, the only true issue that I find with his game as a prospect from a smaller school who was better than a lot of the people he's going up against is that he lacks kind of the punch inside during the run game. Um, he can be an asset though on third down because he's a great pass blocker. Um, on third down, he's got a great receiving skill set. He just was underused. He reminds me a lot of a guy like Rashad White when it comes to his hands and how underutilized he was for a large portion of his career at Arizona State. And then other than that lack of punch inside, I, I don't have a lot of issues with his game. Um, his comps for me, I kind of already touched on like a Rashad White. Uh, Rashad White is a much more physically daunting type of running back, a lot bigger than a guy like Michael, uh, not Michael, <laughs> I just gave it away, than Frank Core. But uh, a tried and true Dallas favorite and a guy that this guy reminds me a lot of is actually Michael Carter, um, former UNC running back drafted in the same draft class as his backfield mate, Javante Williams, previously on the New York Jets and now on the Arizona Cardinals. <clears throat> I like their games very similarly. I think they can have a lot of success at the next level if they're used in the appropriate way. Michael Carter, I think, was only used in the appropriate way due to injury when they finally gave him the role. He was never bad when he had the starting role, but he was just never better than a guy like Brees Hall, who they brought in immediately after drafting him. So I I like Frank Gore Jr. I'm going to need to see some combine measurables. He could be very, very small. And if he's any smaller than five foot eight, I don't think he gets a true crack at an NFL job. But that's kind of the mold that he reminds me of is like a Michael Carter. The second running back on the list is a guy who kind of came onto the scene last year in 2022. Um, he was the backfield mate to none other than Zach Charbonnet at UCLA, and that is Mr. Carson Steele. Um, he, just like Charbonnet, is an absolute unit. Six, one and a half, 225 pounds. He's a true third-year junior, and he's going to be 21 at the year, uh, at the beginning of next year's season. Um, over the last 24 games, he has averaged 19 carries per game for 100 yards per game. That's a solid 5.1 yards per carry. Um, he has had 0.83 touchdowns per game, two receptions per game for another 18 yards. You'll find kind of a, a pretty normal uh, normal and consistent trend with the running backs in this year's class. Not a ton of great pass catchers is what I would say. There's maybe one or two in the class that really pop off. Other than that, you're not getting a ton of utility out of the backfield with these guys. But when you're looking at a big boy grinded out runner like this, he basically has the exact same profile as Zach Charbonnet had last year, just without kind of that upper echelon level of violence that his former teammate and mentor Charbonnet had. Um, I compare him more to like a bowling ball type style, more so than a bulldozer. He does have surprising long speed um, when he's allowed to break out of coverage. And he's got a pretty solid profile. I'm not going to lie with you guys, but his blocking is his biggest question mark. And that comes with huge question marks for his usability in the NFL. There very seldom is a one and two down grinder anymore. There's a lot of committees you like to be able to flip back and forth. It's not so much just a third down roll. It's rotating backs on all downs basically now um the guy he reminds me the most of is actually kevin harris out of south carolina um drafted two years ago pretty solid pretty physical running back just doesn't have a bunch of pop when it comes to his extreme violence is what i would say and his overall athletic ability that's kind of where i get him i don't expect carson Steele to be a very high end draft pick but he could be a very good road uh, road grader like i said in a rotational backfield as a one two type of down back he just kind of has to really sure up his blocking and pass protection if he actually wants to get on the field 
The third back of note is Ray Davis, running back out of Kentucky. He's coming in at 5'10", 216 pounds. He's a true fifth year, and he'll be 24 years old at the beginning of his rookie season in 2024. Over the last two years, he has averaged 17 carries per game for 87 yards at a 5.11 yards per carry clip, and basically three touchdowns every four games. Um, in the receiving game, he has brought in actually the highest mark out of this group of running backs in three receptions per game for 20 receiving yards and a touchdown every three games. And there's not a lot of holes when you look at this guy's game is what I would say. Size speed combo can be concerning if his testing is bad, but that's, this is kind of a combine guy that I'm going to have to see. He's older. He has to translate that kind of mature body and mature game that he actually has in his decision-making into athletic ability to actually use that at the next level, as opposed to just being kind of better than some other players were at the NCAA level. His receiving ability is great. Like I mentioned, the highest metrics out of all of those. And he, like I said, he doesn't have a ton of holes, but I only question how physically dominant he can be if he really wants to stick his head in there at times and how physically gifted he is as an athlete. My comp is actually a guy from last year in Roshan Johnson. I kind of feel the same way I do about Ray Davis is it's just a running back in the middle rounds that's going to get drafted that I wasn't super high on, wasn't super in love with, but I see why people like him because he does everything you ask him to do well. That gets you a rotational job in the NFL, but it does not give you the pop to be a true fantasy asset at the NFL level. The fourth running back on the list here is none other than Mr. Marshawn Lloyd, the running back out of USC. He is probably the most compact running back that I'm going to talk about today. He is sitting at five foot nine, 217 pounds. He is a thick, thick man. When you see him running, he looks pretty solid. Um, he had the smallest workload, though, out of anyone that I'm going to talk about today. He's going to be coming in as a third year back at the NCAA level, but he is going to be 24 years old, so extremely mature physically, but not a lot of game reps and game experience. Over the last two years, he's only averaged at USC 11 carries per game in a very spread it out and multiple and multiplicity of an offense in USC. He has, though, turned that into 6.4 yards per carry with 70 yards per game on the ground and a touchdown on the ground per game. When they feed him, it's typically in the red zone, typically right when they get into the red zone, and he usually averages about five to six yards per carry in the red zone. Rush game, surprisingly, for USC was pretty solid in the red zone over the last two years. Um, receiving, not a huge threat, only one reception per game, but again, they usually use him in a dynamic way. They're very smart underneath Lincoln Riley at USC, so his average is at 20 receiving yards per reception across his career. He only has one receiving touchdown over the last two years. Uh, and it's not really in his skill set, but he does have the athletic profile to truly, you know, truly be good. Uh, he's a violent, compact runner that has speed in a compact body, which is kind of hard to see and kind of hard to get on a regular basis in the NFL. His vision is very good, but he doesn't always trust it. Um, so he basically sees a hole and he'll start leaning towards that hole, but then he'll be like, Oh, it's not where the place designed to go. I shouldn't do that. He'll double second, double, triple, you know, quadruple take basically in the backfield. And then the hesitancy behind the line due to his over patience and over like trust basically in his offensive line gets him basically either tackled or hands on him at the line of scrimmage or behind a lot. That's why they don't give him the ball a lot in, 
I get it. It does also lean into the scheme with USC where it's like if he's on the field and they're in a certain formation, he's almost always getting the ball. They didn't run a lot of play fakes for him. Um, but when it comes to play action, he's a very solid blocker. It throws his body into everything. Like I said, his violence is one of my favorite things in the class, but I will state with it. It can be a dangerous game, as it is with a lot of violent running backs. My comp for him, body style and running style-wise, the guy that he reminds me a ton of, and I see this probably once every three years where there's a smaller back that runs with a lot of pop, uh, Thomas Rawls, old Seattle running back. Um, Anyone that's been watching football for more than the last five years is what I would say, knows who I'm talking about. That's what I see with Marshawn Lloyd, and that's what he could be if given a workload and given consistent carries. It's just can he be used – in an NFL scheme at that smaller, more compact kind of running back package like they used to in the old days with like a Michael Turner as they transitioned to with Thomas Rawls and a grinded out type of offense behind a Marshawn Lynch with Pete Carroll. That's what I need to see with Marshawn, but very exciting. Uh, The next three running backs are three guys that I actually have quite a bit higher than a lot of people in this draft circle, draft cycle right now do. And you'll understand why as I progress through them based off of who I have them comped as, the type of kind of running back style that they have, and then just the overall production. Um, The first on the list is, for me, I think my favorite running back in this year's draft class. It's Rasheen Ali, running back at a Marshall. Um, Six foot. 210 pounds, fourth year, will be 23, have just turned 23 at the beginning of his rookie season in the NFL. And his metrics across the board were pretty solid. Uh, 18 carries per game, 101 yards on the ground at a 5.7 yards per carry clip, 1.5 touchdowns on the ground per game. He was literally all of Marshall's offense and people couldn't stop him, which is what I love. I love to see that from prospects. When you put yourself out there, everyone knows you're getting the ball 10, 20, 30 times a game, and they can't do shit about it. That's what I want to see. 2.9 receptions per game. So used quite a bit in the receiving game, 22 yards per um, 22 receiving yards per game. And again, only two receiving touchdowns of the last 24 games. So nothing special there, but he is an athletic freak. He's probably one of the most gifted athletes in this year's class at his size it's my style of back and you should know what that means before i even dive into this his legs never stop moving he's an absolute angle beater and his ability in the open field to zoom past people with his speed and his ability to get around people is impressive Um, this is a guy where if he clicks and he is what i think he is reminds me of last year tajay spears runs exactly like Ty J Spears. Who does Ty J Spears run? Exactly like Pierre Strong. Who does Pierre Strong run? Exactly like Tony Pollard. That's the mold that these guys are in, and they are always the running backs I fall for because they have the athletic burst and pop to do what you need them to do. So again, if there's a guy in this year's class that I tell you all to mark down, like I did with Ty J Spears at the beginning of the draft cycle last year, it's Rasheen Ali at a Marshall He's a running back that has a lot of fun tape. Make sure to go and check him out and do your own deep five. Another guy on this list is a guy I have talked at length for both during the prospect premonition and in the recap episode for this offseason. So I'm not going to dive super far into his profile, but it is none other than Jalen Wright, the running back out of Tennessee. Um, This is another guy that kind of fits that mold of a true one cut burner. Um, Not a ton of workload when it comes to overall touches per game, but boy, oh boy, did he produce when he got the ball in that Tennessee spread it out offense. He's coming in at five foot 11, 210 pounds, 
a true third year. So the youngest out of all the running backs at 21 years of age at the start of next season. But again, only saw 11 carries per game across the last two years. He turned that though into 75 yards on the ground per game. His ability to pop off on those long runs already talked about 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, 0.56 rushing touchdowns and zero receiving touchdowns, though. He was not used in the receiving game at all. I don't know if he can catch at this point, to be real with you. So it's very interesting. But like I said, he's a one-cut hitter with a lack of change of direction behind the line of scrimmage. So if the hole is not there, he's going to run directly into the line. That's my biggest fault with him. Um He's a big play waiting to happen. Like I said, he trusts his O-line to a fault. But the only issue I had before this year, before he started running into the people's backs because he trusts – the offensive line so much, which is kind of what you do in Tennessee. You just kind of trust the play that's written up. Um, he added a lot of weight on um, the added weight actually led to injury and a slight downtick in his vision versus wanting to prove that basically he w- could withstand the tackles and run through the middle of the field. Um, if you remember what I talked about in the earlier episode in his prospect premonition, he had to prove that he could run in between the tackles this year, and he's been doing it quite well, but it did lead to a little bit of an injury scare. Um, I don't think he's going to be sticking around at that 215, 220 range. I think 210 is more of a, a solid amount for him. And there's a lot of running backs that have success at that level. That's about what Dalvin Cook played at. That's about what Aaron Jones plays at. Um, he's just a little bit taller. Jalen Wright is a fun utility gadget player. Again, he's in that mold of the Tony Pollards, the Pierre Strongs, those one-cut hitters type of running backs. Um, I, I'm excited to see what he does. Um, I think the injury scares some people, but he does have a very advantageous profile, and he's a guy that could really pop in 1v1 drills during this Shrine Bowl and during this Senior Bowl week of practice. So make sure to keep your eyes out on a guy that you should have been paying attention to all year if you were listening to the prospect premonition. And then the last player and last running back in total on the list that I'm going to talk about is another one of my favorite players. Like I said, these last three are kind of three of my favorite running backs in this year's class for different reasons. Um, this is Cody Schrader, the running back out of Missouri. Um, he's five foot nine, 220 pounds. He's a true fourth year and will be coming out at 23 years of age during his rookie season. Uh, 17 carries per game for a solid 91 yards per game, um, 5.4 per clip, uh, basically a rushing touchdown per game at 0.98. He had two receptions, zero receiving touchdowns, and only 13 receiving yards per game. So not a true, uh, you know, utility asset in the passing game, but he does everything extremely well. Um, He has surprising speed once he's at the second level and can really pull away from people. But boy, oh boy, does he love his contact and love his ability to drive plays and just kind of be a good running back. Um, change of direction is average, but his size makes up for it. Like I said, super physical, likes to really press into gaps and take it to linebackers as opposed to running around from them. Dangerous type of style. But uh, a, he reminds me a lot. I feel the same way about Cody Schrader that I felt about Zach Moss coming out. If you guys remember, Zach Moss was a really big hype guy earlier on, kind of fell off, never never really got the shake in Buffalo, but then kind of proved in Indianapolis that if you block well and you design your run plays appropriately, he will get you every single yard that the play is supposed to get you, basically, and be extremely, extremely good at the running back position. That's what I see with Cody Schrader, and he's a pretty exciting guy. Um, He's got a lot of the physicality that I wish um, some of the guys earlier on the list I had brought up 
had. Uh, like I said, like Ray Davis, if he could kind of throw himself and be a little bit more physical, that's kind of what I would want. Um, he runs a little bit like Marshawn Lodge, just not quite as physical. Um, he, he's just a good running back, and he's a guy that you guys should be paying attention to. Uh, put up just over, I believe, 1,700 all-purpose yards this past season. So, um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. This could easily be a trap similar to like an Abram Smith, uh, a late bloomer, but he has been pretty productive. Like I said, over the last two years, taking into account this 1700 yard season and last year's 900 yard season, just pretty solid all around. And a guy that again, everyone should be paying attention to. Uh, so that has been your 11 players. I'll go over the list. Just the names one last time for you, just to give you kind of a recap. You have the sixth year starter at quarterback who reminds me quite a bit of Nick Mullins in the form of Jordan Travis. The one thing I want to see this week from him is his decision-making and ability to learn an offense quickly. You have Michael Pratt out of Tulane University. He is the Mitchell Trubisky comp. I want to see if he could throw not running in the pocket. Now that usually leads to a lot of sacks and a lot of bad throws when they force the player to do that at the senior bowl but that's what has to be done and that's what makes or breaks you uh spencer rattler i don't need to see anything i'm kind of out on him i i would have to hear a steady hype train from now until the nfl draft to really start to raise him up my ranks and then joe milton i want to see if he can read past his second read if he can learn the offense this week that'll impress me um so again those three quarterbacks are the ones i'm noting uh I do want to make the kind of the note. I did say I don't cover the top three yet, the prospect um, position, top four, that type of thing. Bo Nix is projected to start and be playing at the Senior Bowl. Um, he did accept his invite, so that is something that people will be watching. I just don't really care to see Bo Nix there. I, I know what Bo Nix as, is as a prospect. This game isn't going to do anything for me. The running back position, uh, the guy who is this year's Michael Carter for me and Frank Gore Jr. coming in to try to hopefully fill the role in the shoes of his father, Frank Gore Sr. out of Ole Miss. I want to see him be physical. Um, that's what I want to see. I want to see his ability to be physical in the run game between the tackles. And then I want to see that consistency in pass pro during the drills and during the game on third down. I think he's going to be used a lot. Carson Steele. The Kevin Harris grinded out type of running back. I want to see more so than anything what his pass blocking looks like. Uh, they're probably going to give him quite a few reps, and if he can't do it, they're going to force him to do it again in the game, and they're going to show the rest of the world that he can't do it because that's what this week's all about. Uh, Ray Davis, my can do everything, just kind of at a moderate le level and not very physical uh, type of level in uh, Roshan Johnson. That is Ray Davis out of Kentucky. Um I just kind of want to see him continue the steady pace. Uh, he's the type of running back that can pretty easily be lost during these weeks of practice. So I will warn you guys on that. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd running back out of USC. I want to see the physicality still pop up in these. I want him to show that on a regular basis. I want to see him get a lot of work. Um, and I want to see a lack of hesitancy. I want to see him see the hole, hit the hole. That's what I want. And if he can at least show that he's attempting to do that, I'm going to have him a little bit higher than what I have. Rashina Lee, I expect the exact same type of week. I expect a lot of the coverage from the senior bowl to be covering Rashina Lee from a lot of reporters saying, oh, who's this guy at a Marshall? He looks really, really big. He looks really, really fast, really, really good. It's what happens every year with at least one prospect at every position. That's what I expect from Rashina Lee this year. Jalen Wright kind of has to prove that he's healthy. That's what I want to see from him. And then Cody Schrader, really don't need to see much from him. I know what's going to happen, but I do want to see his third down. If he could get some pass game work and show that he can catch the ball and doesn't have butter hands, we're going to be in a much better spot. 
That was a fun episode, folks. 40 minutes basically on the dot for you here at the Rookie Rundown. We have covered part one now of the NCAA All-Star Game Primer. Check in next week for part two, where I, again, will be covering the wide receiver and tight ends of note between these two games that you need to be paying attention to for practice reports for all of your favorite analysts and get ahead of the curve here first on the Rookie Rundown. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow. That's called a winning streak.